Hi, welcome. Welcome to um, this seminar stream on how to pray. My name's Jodie Peake. Um, I'm going to be hosting the seminar stream this week and speaking a little bit later on in the week. Um, it's lovely to have you with us. Hopefully, um, some of you are going to journey with us throughout the whole week. That'll be fab. Um, we've got loads of cool subjects in store for you. And actually, if you explore the prayer space throughout the week here at New Day, you'll see that some of the things we're speaking on directly relate into some of the zones in the prayer space. Um, so before we go any further and before I forget, I just need to say the boring stuff, the health and safety stuff. So if anything happens that shouldn't be happening and panic starts to arise, please don't panic. Follow the stewards and the exits are where you came in and behind you. Um, and the other thing to say is obviously we're in the prayer space. There's lots of things going around to the side of you. If you can try and stay in the middle, don't lean on things because things might topple. and There might be a bit of clanging and banging. Um, so just stay in in the middle. That'd be great. Okay, so um, this week um, with the How to Pray seminar stream, um, our desire for you guys this week in this stream is that you basically grasp something of what an awesome weapon prayer is at your disposal. God has given you a free gift that is an awesome weapon. It's powerful. And when you get to grips with using it, it can change your life, your relationship with God, and the lives of those around you. And so my prayer for you guys is that you'll realize that it's really simple. You can do it, and you need to do it in order for things to happen in your life and in the world around you. Um, so it's simp- that's as simple as that. That's our prayer for you this week. And this morning, we are going to be looking at Hunger for God, and we've got a lovely lady called Anna Goodman coming to speak to you. Um, and I heard Anna speak um, earlier on this year at a ladies' conference. She was awesome. Um, so we've invited her to speak today. She's got a real gift at communicating clearly. So you guys are in for a treat. So I'd like you to give her a really warm welcome. Okay, I'll just, I'll just read it out to you bits because you might not be able to see everything that I've put. All right. Try not to trip up. So, welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, I thought that I'd begin. There are a few of you here who know me from Cambridge, um, but I'll just give you a little bit of <laughs> um, a little bit of um, background of who I am, so you know who you're listening to, because sometimes that um, helps. I think. Um, my name's Anna Goodman. Uh, I was born in Honduras, which is Central America, and I then moved from there to Nepal, which is by um, Tibet. Then I moved to, uh, where did I go to? Belgium, and then to Barbados, and then to Scotland for my uh, undergraduate degree. So I moved around quite a lot. Um, my father is a tropical forest consultant, so he wanted to be where there were trees. Trees aren't really tropical forest. Trees aren't really in um, Belgium, but there was a center there for sending people out. Uh, I probably would say that Barbados was my favorite place to be. However, my experience of Barbados is very different to uh, everyone else's. So Everyone else was in, they were there in, I, I was there for sort of around five years, um, left when I was 16. So they're all there in their skimpy little bikinis. I went to a convent school. Okay, so I was at a convent school where they made you like kneel down. And if your skirt wasn't touching the ground, then you'd get in trouble. Um, so that was my experience. And we, I mean, it wasn't really full on convent. It was a school, but it was, um, we did get taught about um, interesting things like exorcisms and things like that. So it was not your typical experience. Um, so I currently live in Cambridge. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've been there since 2002. I am married to a man called Daniel. He's, he was born in West Africa. So in, in addition to being brought up all around the, the world, really, my husband uh, was born in West Africa. Then I think my brother, he's married to a Croatian. My other brother, he's married to a Swede. Uh, my grandmother, she's Swiss. 
So I feel like my heart is really um, international. I feel like I'm from, from all over the world. I love you know, all nationalities. I love all kinds of foods. Um, so it's just, I feel like Cambridge, I love Cambridge because it's very British, but it's also very international. My parents now live in Oxford, so we've got the Oxford-Cambridge dynamic going on there. Uh, so we're in Cambridge, I've been there since 2002, and um, I'm going to be 39 next month. So 18th of August, if you want to write that down and send me a card, that'd be great. No one sends cards anymore. Okay. So today I want to talk to you about being hungry for God. And the longer title is A Hunger for God, Pursuing the One Thing That Matters the Most. Pursuing the one thing that matters the most. And it made me chuckle that um, I've got the 11.30 till 12.30 slot because I know that you are going to become hungry in this time as you approach lunch. And... um, in 1 Corinthians 15:46 it says the spiritual did not come first but the natural and after that the spiritual so my prayer for you guys is as you become naturally hungry that actually that will be before the spiritual that God will really put in your heart a spiritual hunger for him i'm hoping to um talk for about sort of half an hour maybe a little bit more and then we're going to have some time to Uh, pray for one another. I think it's good to begin this stream on prayer with praying for one another. So now I'm going to actually pray. Father God, I just lay my notes before you now and I say, you know, I've prepared, but I want you to have your way. I want you to speak whatever, do whatever you want to do. I want your heart to be shared here today, and I pray that you would put a fire and a longing for you in the hearts of everyone here, that you would set them aflame and alight in a way that they have not been before. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome here. You're so welcome here. Please do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want. And Jesus, I just, you are my king. I love you so much. I love you more than anything. I pray that you would be glorified here today. Amen. So there's quite a lot to actually focus on in this topic, but I'm going to try and limit it to five things. The first one is, growing in hunger for God and pursuing the one that matters the most is what we were created for. The other day, I was in the kitchen with my husband, and I was saying to him, you know, the doctors, uh, next slide, Yes. Doctors say, you know, you've got two eyes, two ears, one nose, one heart, two lungs, two, is it, kidneys, one liver, and one stomach. But obviously, we know that that is not entirely correct, is it? Because you've got two stomachs. You've got your savory stomach, and you've got your sweet stomach. And one being full means, does not necessarily mean that the other is full. Um, but then I was saying to him, you know, that even that is not true because you've got your savory stomach, your sweet stomach, and then you've also got your God stomach. And that's how I was describing it. I was like, there's, there's a God stomach that can only be filled with God. That's the only thing that can satisfy it. And what I didn't, didn't realize was my little seven-year-old son, he was, he was eavesdropping. He was listening in and he came over and he said, oh, I've drawn something for you. And um, he presented me with this, which you probably can't really see, but he's only young. It's the three stomachs, okay? So if you're wondering what God's stomach looks like, this is your dessert stomach, your, no, savory stomach, your dessert stomach, your pudding stomach, and this is the God's stomach, okay? So if you're wondering what a God's stomach looks like, there you go. Um, I don't know about you, but my stomach can really growl loudly, like sometimes embarrassingly loudly, and um, our God stomach is crying out all the time to be fed. It is desperate to be fed with God alone. Only God can satisfy it. And everyone, everyone alone, without exception, is hungry. Everyone is hungry. Not everyone realizes that they are hungry for God. Not everyone realizes how they can fill their stomach, their God stomach, that it, only God alone is going to fill that stomach. And so with some people, they will turn, they will try and fill it and stop the aching and the emptiness by filling it with 
I don't know, Facebook with selfies, with focusing on all of their comments online, with sports, with, you know, going to the gym all the time, with the latest clothes, things like that. But none of these things are going to fill that stomach. There is still going to be an emptiness there. Nothing except God. God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, three in one is the one thing that we need, the one thing that matters most. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six to 37 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I know we're not supposed to add to the Bible. God, don't strike me down. But I'm going to add, and with all your stomach. Okay? Because I think he wants us to love him with every fiber of our being. So what does it look like to love him? with all our heart, soul, mind, might, stomach. I'll tell you a little bit um, of the story of me and Daniel, my husband. When, we, when I first met Daniel uh, in 2002, I knew uh, quite a few people, eight, I think in total, who were mad- <laughs> madly in love with him. Um, and what, what happened, and I was not interested. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, they're all madly in love with him. I'm not interested in this guy because he's probably going to be like, his head's going to be big. But really what he was, he was totally oblivious to it all, which is quite nice. Um, but they would, he would have repeatedly girls come up to him and be like, um, you know, I, I'm, I've fallen in love with you and, you know, declaring their love for him. And he'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just not interested. And so I got to the point where I was just like, God... And these are close friends as well. I said, God, you know, you've got to do something about this. Can you bring along his wife soon to stop so that he can stop breaking all my friends' hearts? And little did I know that actually I was the answer to that prayer. Um, but I remember in the early days when we, when we were getting together, um, dating, whatever you call it, and I was just, I was always thinking about him. I was just so in love with him. I was thinking about him when I was awake during my work. I was thinking about him the first thing I did when I woke up, when I fell asleep. I was just, he was on my mind all the time. And I remember, you know, waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning thinking about him and then checking my phone and he just sent a message like two minutes later because he was thinking about me. Oh, that's kind of cute, isn't it? It's a bit sick, sickly, sorry. But we were just thinking about each other all the time. And, you know, any free time we had, any free moments that we had, uh, we wanted to be with each other. We loved spending time in, in one another's presence. We wanted to get to know each other. We just wanted to spend all of that time with each other. No one was forcing us to, but we just loved spending time with one another. And he used to, you know, write me letters and cards and things, and I would treasure them all and save them. And I, I, was, I was really sad. I, I'll go as far as saying that... It, uh, he used to send me texts, and I thought, what happens if my, my phone gets robbed or um, it just dies? So I transcribed, okay, I wrote in a little book every single text that he wrote to me. I do not do that now, okay? <laughs> Go get the milk. No. Um, no, honestly, to the point where I was very accurate, if he put like three kisses at the end, it would have to be three kisses at the end. But I was just like, I have to be accurate. Every, every letter of every word that came out of his mouth mattered to me. I loved it. I savored it. Um, and now we've, we've been married nearly 14 years. Uh, in January, it'll be 14 years. And we still go on dates every Monday. Both have two kids. They both are at school, so that means we have a whole Monday off. Um, because Daniel works for the church, we get that day. And so we, we prioritize that. We're like, our marriage is still really important. We, we want to make sure that we still go on dates and keep that love alive. And so that's what we do because we're, we're committed. And this is just a tiny example, tiny example of what it means to look like to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, might, and stomach. It's about relationship. It's not about religion. And it's just so important that we get that. It's about enjoying him and spending time with God and satisfying ourselves with him and in asking him questions and listening to him, expecting him to reply because this is a two-way thing. It's a conversation with God. He wants to speak to us. He wants to hear our voice. 
And I think it's just really important that we get that it's all about relationship. Hungering from God is just coming from a place of, of loving him and wanting to be with him. And I really want to emphasize um, the Bible in this. The Bible is God's inspired word to us. And um, I, just, I just feel like it's, it's, it's so important. Just as I focus on every single letter of every single word when Daniel wrote them to me, that actually everything in the Bible is there for us, for our good. That's what scripture tells us. And I remember I wrote a little book a few years ago, and it was, full of, it was about how to hear from God, and it was full of stories about my life and how what I'd learned over the time. And um, I think as you read it, you got to know me better. And I had a few friends, and I was really quite you know, pleased with this book. I really poured myself out, out into it. And I had two really good friends who knew I'd written this book, and I was, but had um, not read it. And I was really upset about it. I was like, I've just done all of this. I've invested into this book and poured out my heart. And it's like, I feel like they don't care, and they don't want to know about me because they're just not taking the time to to read what I've written. And I felt God say, that's how I feel about the Bible. That's how I feel about this wonderful gift that has been given to us, to you, that we sometimes don't feel is important. We sometimes feel is secondary and just not something to be savored. And I just really want to encourage you, please, it is so precious. It is God's spoken word to us. So that is definitely one of the ways you will find that you are hungering after God is by reading the word because his Holy Spirit will bring it alive to you and it will change you. So just like we need to eat every day, throughout the day, we are created to connect with God for every single minute, every single hour, every single second of the day. That is what we long for. That is what we need. That is the one thing. John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And I love that. I love the fact that as we are satisfied with God, as we just save and delight in him, God is glorified. We were created to fill our hearts, minds, souls, and stomachs with God and to enjoy him. And it's only when we feast on him, when we love him with every fiber of our being, that we are truly satisfied. And when we are truly satisfied, he is glorified. Second point coming up. Right. Growing in hunger for God and pursuing the one that matters the most means saying no sometimes. I mentioned I went to St. Andrews, Scotland um, for my undergraduate, undergraduate degree. I always knew that I wanted to discover stuff. So at one point I was like, I want to be a paleontologist. And another time I was like, I want to be an analyst. But I just really loved discovering new things that hadn't been discovered before. And I went to university, uh, St. Andrews, to do neuroscience because I was like, what? I loved biology. The brain is like one of these most amazing things that hasn't really been discovered in all of its fullness. So I was like, excellent, let's go and do neuroscience. So that was four years. Four years at St. Andrews doing an undergraduate degree in neuroscience. Then I wanted to pursue this further. Came to Cambridge uh, to a place called the Cambridge Centre for Brain Repair, which sounds like you go in and you have a MOT on your brain. Not quite like that, but they do research into neurodegenerative diseases. Mine was focusing on a disease called Huntington's disease. And so I did one year work experience there. And then I did a PhD there. So that was three years. So that's a total of, oh, and then five, five years after that, after my PhD, of postdoc, all in neuroscience. I was like, this is my career. This is where I'm going. I love this subject. So that was, yeah, 13 years of me being like, this is, this is my life set before me. I'm focused and driven. Um, then when I had Finn, uh, my uh, oldest son, Daniel also started to lead the church. And I felt God say, lay it all down. Give it all up. So my intention was I was going to carry on. I'd have this child, and Daniel would do his thing, and I'd do my thing, and I'd still have my career. And I just felt God say, let it all go. You, I want you to give it all up. And I was like, what? This is like how, how many years of my life? What are you talking about? Um, but that's what he was asking for, and, and I did it because 
I knew that like career is obviously important, but I was like, the one thing that matters most of all is that I'm obedient to God. He is my one thing. And I'm not saying your careers and things like that aren't, or whatever you're pursuing, aren't going to be used by God in an amazing, powerful way. I'm not in any way dismissing careers at all. But for me, that is what God was saying. He's like, I know your heart and I know what you plan to do, but I've got something different for you. And I just want you to lay this down. So for me, he was, he was kind of testing me. He's like, will you do this for me? Will you pursue a career over me or will you pursue you know your well will you pursue me or your career so now I've done that I've done that and it was it was it was difficult because all of a sudden I was taken to a place where like everyone was like oh hi Dr. Goodman and everyone knew me to no one knowing who I was I didn't have I was this person who just changed nappies all the time and but God really did a really deep work in me about identity during that time. And he knew that, that to pursue him above all things, I needed to let these things go. He needed to work in me. Um, and so that's what I did. So that's a big thing, isn't it? When you, when you want to pursue God above everything else, you sometimes have to say no to big things. For me, that was a big thing that I had to say no to. But there's also little things that you have to say no to. And I would call them junk food. Um, I don't know if you, you know this, you probably don't eat junk food, you're all really healthy eaters or whatever, but when you eat junk food, sometimes that can um, just take away your appetite for proper food, and it's just, it's not good for you, it is not going to sustain you or anything like that, and there are lots of things in our life that can act like junk food, where you are eating them, but actually they are robbing you of your desire for God, and they are leaving you disconnected um, and distracted, and what I was finding for me was things like Facebook. So I would, it, even though I wasn't necessarily going on Facebook for a long time, but the thoughts and the comments and the things I'd read would be in my head afterwards and I'd be thinking about them. And I realized actually being on Facebook for me is, I'm not knocking Facebook, I'm not telling you all to get off Facebook, but for me, it was leaving me disconnected with God. It was leaving me distracted from my pursuit of him. And so I felt again him saying, please let it go, let it go, because this is affecting you. And so I'm now not on Facebook. I am on Instagram and Twitter. But um, for, for me, Facebook was, was the one thing that was actually, it was, it was robbing me of my hunger for God because it just left me distracted and disconnected. So I just want to really encourage you to reflect on your own life. You know, what are the big things in it, are they, you know, what God wants for you? Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first him. Um, or, and the small things as well. Are there things that you have in your life that are robbing you of your desire, or dis- disconnecting you and leaving you distracted from your pursuit of God? And I just ask you to bring everything before him today and be like, God, is anything taking away my desire that I should have for you? And it's taking it and, yeah. You're, you're desiring something else instead. Because it will be different for everyone. Okay, the third point. Growing in hunger for God and pursuing the one that matters the most changes you. I don't know if anyone, any of you know a TV series and a book called You Are What You Eat. Yeah, some of you. It's not kind of rocket science, but it's basically if you eat healthy food, you are healthy on the inside and outside. If you eat bad food, then you're, you're going to be sick. Uh, and I think we've got a picture of flamingos, is that right? Which I think is a good illustration. You know, a flamingo eats shrimps. Shrimps are pink. It becomes pink as a result of eating shrimps. But I feel like it's the same spiritually. You know, when we feast and satisfy, whatever, whatever it is, it is reflected in who we are. It changes us. Um, so when I, I keep on talking about sending my children, but anyway, the, when, when I first because I'm a researcher, when I first found out I was pregnant with Finn, I was like, I want to read every single book there is on baby development and child development, and I want to know everything that there is, because, you know, I like to know these things and be prepared. And one of the things I found out was that babies, when they're born, they have really immature um, cardiovascular systems, so their heart systems are really immature and um, they also have a really immature uh, thermoregulatory system, so their ability to regulate their temperature. So what they say is, put them on you, them, their naked body on your skin, and your 
heart rate regulates their heart rate. So that actually, where it's all over the place, your heartbeat starts to um, help it to mature. And the same for your, the temperature. So that your, heart, your temperature system helps to regulate the baby's temperature system. And I feel like it's the same with, with God. You know, when we spend time, time with him and we savor on him and we just love to be in his presence, it's like his heart becomes our heart. The things that he cares about passionately become the things that we care about passionately. Things he feels like hot about, you know, we feel strongly about. And I think it's just really important that we, we value the spending the time and understand that as we spend time with God, he is changing us. Uh, we end up seeing the way he sees. We end up hearing things the way he hears. We speak more like him. And other people start to see Jesus in us. It's not only we can tell from the inside out, but other people will be like, you are looking more like Jesus. I have a, a friend who we've recently become quite close to. They are, they're a Muslim family. And I've become quite close to the mother and been spending quite a lot of time with her. She wears a headscarf. And we've really enjoyed speaking to one another, but I hadn't really got to know the... Um, the husband that well and I thought well she's really devout and she's wearing this headscarf and I, I wonder what he thinks about me a Christian spending time with his wife I don't know if he's actually quite happy about that and I saw him the other day in the playground and he approached me and he said oh can I ask you a question so everyone was kind of gone at this point so I was like feeling a little bit nervous I said yes um where are the witnesses? I, but he said, oh, I, is your husband a preacher? And I said, yes, yes, he is, thinking, where is this going? And then he said, oh, I just want you to know, um, I love Christians. I love Christians with all my heart. I looked at him, I was like, this is not what I was expecting you to be telling me. Then he said, oh, yeah, you Christians in this country, you need to be strong Christians. I was like, again, not what I was expecting you to be saying to me. Then he said, you know, I've met a few Christians who really love God, really love God with all their heart. And I said, oh, yeah, that's good. And he said, you know that there's, there's a light that shines from out their face that makes me want to go and hug them. I was like, what? And what was even more lovely, so he's saying the Christians who really love God, he can see light shining from out their face. I mean, I think that is amazing. And what I found out later was he'd said when they'd moved to the school, he'd said to his wife, um, I've just seen a boy, a little boy, whose um, face has so much light shining out of it. And because she's, she's Turkish, I was trying to understand what she was saying. And I was like, do you mean that he's like really pasty skinned, like really white. And she's like, no, there was light shining out of her face. And, he's, and she, then she said, and then we find out that was your son. And I was like, wow, Muslims are looking at us Christians and seeing lights shine from out our faces. And that includes my son, you know, my seven-year-old son, they are seeing, and he loves God, this seven-year-old son. He loves God and they can see something. I can't see that. I don't look at your faces, sorry about that. But I don't see lights, maybe because you're all blinding me so much. But and it just, it just shows you that when you are, when you love God, there is a light. I mean, it's right in the Bible. So... In John 8, Jesus says of himself, I am the light of the world. Then in Matthew 5, 14, we read about Jesus saying, you, my disciples, and you here, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. You our lights. You are Jesus' lights. And the more time we spend with God, loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, might, and stomachs, it's like our hearts become on fire in an even greater way, and the lights inside us become brighter. And Jesus says that he wants to display you and your big, bright, shiny lights out in the world in the darkness. In places that don't know Jesus, in places that are hungry for him, but then don't know that it's what he's what they're looking for.
So, pursuing the one that matters the most sometimes means saying no, changes you, is what we've created for. And it changes the world. Fourth point. Yes. Have we put fourth point? Yes. So, I'm going to try and do visual aid here because, um, yeah, maybe. Involves tea bags. Thanks. Any ideas what's going to happen when I take this tea bag and cold water and I pour it in there? Anyone know anything about tea? Sorry about wasting your water here. You can drink it later, but I don't know how it'll taste. Basically, nothing happens. All the tea that's in there just stays in there, and it's kind of a bit boring. Nothing happens. Okay. This is lukewarm water. So a little bit of cold, a little bit of hot. And you can see that it starts to some of the flavor and some of the taste and color is starting to come out. I don't think any of you are surprised by all of this, okay? This, this, is, this should be boiling hot water. It's not boiling hot water, but for the purposes of this, you can imagine what's gonna happen because you've probably had tea many times in your life. But anyway. It's kind of happening. The point is, right, even though you know what really was going to happen, is that when it piping hot boiling water, the tea bag placed in the piping hot water, all of the flavor, all of the fullness, all of the essence, all of the color started to come out, unlike the cold water and less like the lukewarm water, it was when you were, it was piping hot, boiling water that everything came out. And I felt like God sort of used this analogy for me to show that when our hearts are hot for him, it's like the piping hot water that we, all of the fullness and flavor comes out of us and we impact the world around us. Our hunger for God, our longing for God changes us in such a way, like the tea bag, that everything inside us comes out and impacts the world. The Holy Spirit moves through us and changes things. And in a way that's often permanent, right? You can't untee a tea bag. Once the flavor's out there, it's done. You can't be like, okay, get back in there. I'm going to pour some cold water in you or change back to normal in a permanent way. And I just really felt God's always stirred in my heart, you know, as you just spend time with me and savor on me and you become hot inside your heart in a way that is light, in a way that changes the atmosphere, in a way that changes the flavor of the world around you. And God wants to use those who are passionately pursuing him to change the flavor of this world. This is what we have been called to do, to be light, to be salt. We are called to change the flavor of the world, to bring his kingdom here, to be little Jesuses everywhere we go. I, when I was praying, I do this little hour-long um, prayer walk. And when I was praying for this talk, I came across... Um, by, by a bench, some bees. And there's this one particular bee. And it was, it was very, very hungry. It was very, very hungry. So it was just going from one flower to the next flower to the next flower to the next flower. And it was completely yellow. It was completely yellow because it was absolutely covered in pollen. And each, it, I mean, it was, it, was, it was so heavy with pollen to the point that I was just like, how on earth can this bee move? Like, how can it go from one flower to the next? Because it just looks so heavy. I mean, its face was covered in yellow pollen, and its wings were heavy with pollen, and its feet were heavy with pollen. I hope you get the idea. It was heavy with pollen, but it was driven by hunger for food, more food, more nectar. And so it was going about from flower to flower, and what was obviously happening was that the pollen on this bee was going around pollinating all of these other flowers and they were all 
becoming benefiting basically from this hungry little bee that was going around and it was just that was he was focused on the the hunger and the nectar but what was happening was things around him flowers around him were benefiting from this and so it just again it was like god saying you know just focus on me alone there are lots of other things what is the one thing that matters the most you can get really distracted and i really feel like the devil wants to distract people from pursuing the one thing that matters the most because some Someone who pursues God above all else changes things. The Holy Spirit has opportunity to do amazing things, do amazing things in you and through you in a way that really, really does change the world. Final point. How are we doing for time? It's good. What's that? Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know where that fits in. It's all right. You can go... Yeah, lights in the darkness. That was what that was about. Okay, fifth fifth point, and then I'll we'll talk this, and then we're going to pray for you guys. When we grow in hunger for God and pursue the one that matters the most, we will be powered by the Holy Spirit and positioned for adventure. I don't know if I mentioned that I so I went to a convent, and that was because my parents are Catholic, and um, I was brought up. I, I've known God all my life. I love him very, very much. And he, and the whole time growing up, I f- feel like the first time I actually heard God was age eight. So from a very young age, I knew who God was and I loved him. But then I got to university and I just felt like something was missing. I was like, God, I love you. I really love you. But something just feels like it's not here, it's something is missing, and something feels quite dry in me. My, my relationship with you just feels uh, lacking in something, and I'm, I'm confused, I don't know what this is, and I'm at university, and there's a lot on offer here that, you know, I would quite like to pursue, and, and I don't, I still want you with all my heart, but something's got to change. Uh, and I was also studying partly for neuroscience, partly psychology, and so I was just like, I just... A lot was going on in my brain. A lot was going on in my brain. And at the same time, I ended up going to a kind of women's conference type thing. And uh, some people prayed for me. And this is not going to be everyone's experience, okay? It was my experience. But as they prayed for me, I just felt God's power in such a way that I ended up falling on the floor, which I had not seen anyone do before. That was not something that had been modeled to me or I saw people do but some people call that being slain in the spirit or however you want to term it. But I, by the power of the spirit, just fell on the floor and then felt God's power surging through me in a way that was, I mean, I was shaking. I looked like I was being electrocuted. And if anyone saw me, they probably would be a little bit, you know, confused and alarmed by what was happening to me if they didn't understand about the Holy Spirit. But that was, God knew what I needed. And what I needed was to know he was, real and alive in his power. And so this is my experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit was just I was on the floor and I was trying, I remember I was trying really hard not to shake. I was trying really hard not to cry. I was trying all of these things and I was just like, because I was like, I don't know if this is, this is me doing it, but because of how impacted I was, I was like, I know this is not me, this is God. And God said, this is what you need. This is my Holy Spirit. This is the power you need you need my Holy Spirit in your life. So that was, that was my experience. In Acts 2, we read that the Holy Spirit is a gift from God for all who believe. And for me, that experience changed everything because all of a sudden I was reading the Bible and I was like, wow, it's like this Bible has been written for me personally. And it was like I would read it and it would come alive in a way that had never come alive before. And I was, I'd be praying and I'd all of a sudden feel like I knew what to pray. I felt more connected to God. I felt like I would be walking down the, the road and I would hear, you know, stuff for other people um, that God was sort of speaking to me to share with other people. And it just changed everything. I remember, you know, 
praying for someone who, uh, well, several times needed healing and they, they were completely healed in a way that the doctors could verify. And so all of these things changed because it was the Holy Spirit that brought it alive and gave gifts to me. So I was, I was learning about all of this um, at the time and it just, it just changed my relationship in such a profound way that it just made it really alive. And I just want to encourage you that if you... If you feel like your relationship with God is dry, if you feel like you, if you don't feel like you know you've been baptized in the Spirit, I just want to encourage you, we're going to do this now. We'll pray for you, those of you who want to be baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. But then the Bible tells us about be being filled, continually be filled. So carry on being filled with the Holy Spirit in a way that, you know, he sustains us, he carries us. He is the one who fans the flame. He is the one who causes us to hunger. He is the one who helps us to be more and more like Jesus. He is the one who transforms us. So I just want to really encourage you that if, if that experience, me lying on the floor and shaking and all of that kind of stuff freaks you out, then don't, don't worry because that's not necessarily going to happen to you at all because my husband, when he prayed, he just felt peace. Some people feel just joy. So it's not, um, please don't be alarmed or whatever. This is something that is good. The Holy Spirit is a good gift from God. But we need him. We need him because he, he helps us to do everything and to, to hunger after God in the way that we need to and to keep focused on him and not pursuing these other things that don't matter, but only pursuing him, the one thing that matters the most. Okay, we've got a video clip, if it works. Just, I'll explain it in a second. So just get the general idea. I think you'd have to click one more time. Oh, yeah. You're going to think, why on earth has she just played that? Um, I love science, and I believe God speaks to us in ways that we understand and love. And I felt God used this um, experiment a few years ago to show me what he wants to do and is going to do in and through this next generation that is coming up. And the thing to focus on is the, the other bo- the balls bounced about sort of waist height but then this golf ball was propelled 800% far above all of the others it just literally soared up and I felt that was a visual representation that God had given me of what he is going to do compared to what he's done before so these other bounces and these other heights are moves of God that he's done before that people have experienced revival and experienced God move powerfully but what he's going to do in I believe I'm going to witness it, so you will as well. Something that is unprecedented. I really strongly believe that there is going to be a move of God that is just he has not done ever. And that we will see salvations. We will see miracles. We will see signs and wonders and healings. All of these things, you can be, we will see that in our lifetime. And for me, it was just really powerful to see that. But I feel like we have a choice in this. This is like an invitation. God's saying, oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is what is going to happen. But there is a choice. Either you can be an observer, a spectator, or you can be a participator. And that is a choice. He's not going to force us to be involved in any of these things that he's going to do. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen, other translations say, or give strong support to those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is actively searching the whole earth for people who are hungry, who have consecrated hearts. They say, I choose you above all things. You are the one thing that matters most to me. I choose you. People who are totally surrendered and sold out for him and say, I just want to be obedient to you no matter what. No matter what it looks like, I just surrender my heart to you. You're the most important thing. And I believe that in those people, he will do amazing things. You will see amazing things. And in a way that God is going to be glorified in a way that he's never been glorified before, it will just, it will put him on display in a way that is just absolutely beautiful. But I feel like the question is from this invitation, do you want to be a participator Or do you want to be a spectator? The choice is yours. 
recently I had uh, someone pray for me and it was, I felt it was more connected with, uh, to do with my decision about neuroscience or living life with God. But I feel what she said here, um, living life in the way that God had asked me to, I, I feel like what she said to me is what God is also saying to you. It's quite windy out there. Mm. Said, she said, I, I just had a picture of a forked path and you were just standing at the forked path, just waiting and standing, and you could see down one path, and it was clear, sensible, and fairly predictable. You could see where you could get to. But then there was this other path, and it was pretty obscure. It kind of meanders throughout a forest, and you can't really see where that's going to come out. I just get a sense of God saying, I know it's dangerous, and it's a bit difficult, but it's ever so exciting. But I just heard him whisper, you can choose, that choice is yours. And I believe that choice is yours today. You can do, choose to do life with or without the Holy Spirit. You can choose to pursue other things. You can choose to pursue many things that matter. Or you can choose to pursue the one thing that matters most. And in, in this word, she's saying, you know, I know it's dangerous and it's a bit difficult, but it's ever so exciting. Life which is clear and predictable without him or wild, uncertain, dangerous and ever so exciting with him. That's the hungry life, the life that follows God and is obedient to him no matter what. No matter if we can't see the end result, we're just saying yes. The choice is yours. So, pursuing the one that matters the most is what we are created for. It changes us. It changes the world. It sometimes means saying no to big things and small things. And ultimately, that choice is yours. So, I'd just like to invite time. We're going to do some ministry now, okay? I don't know what necessarily is going to have touched you today, but I would just like to specifically say, spend some time thinking about things that you might want to lay before God and say, you know, are you asking me to give this up? Are you asking me to say no to this thing? But I would also like to say that if any of you want to grow in that hunger, if any of you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or be filled again with the Holy Spirit, to go out there, to be those bright shining lights in a new and fresh way. If you feel like your relationship with God is dry and like a desert, and you feel like you just need to have his passion and his vision and his heart touch you in a fresh and powerful way, then we would love to pray for you. How are we going to do this, though? I haven't actually worked this bit through. Because they could come forward. Or you could stay. Okay. Okay. If you feel like any of those things resonate with you, then can I ask you to stand? And we are going to, we've got a team of red caps, is that right? Yeah. Who will come and pray for you. And everyone else, you are free to pray for each other about anything else that you've resonated with today. Yes. Can we, before we do that, just give Anna a big clap and thank you. Okay, I think the best way to do this is if I just sort of round off the seminar and those of you that feel you want to leave, you can leave at that point. And those of you who want to get prayed for, you sort of have to hang around and the prayer teams will then come around. That would be easy, won't it? Okay, so... Um, it's been wonderful having you guys this morning. Um, hopefully you have really um, taken something from what Anna said this morning. Um, just to say that um, tomorrow morning we've got a guy called Mike Betts coming to speak. He's coming to speak to us about intimacy with God. Um, so we're journeying a little bit more um, about prayer. And as the week goes on, we're going to look a little bit more about practically about how to do some of the praying as well. Um, so please make use of this prayer space. We're open again at one o'clock to come and explore 
the space itself and to come and chat through some of the things you've been listening to in the seminar today. Um, You're welcome to leave and go and get your lunch. If you feel like God has challenged you, provoked you, you just would really appreciate someone chatting through some stuff with you or getting alongside you and praying or you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time or refresh, or you just don't understand some of the stuff that you've heard today and you just want to ask some questions, please hang around. You can either come to the front, um, and Anna's here at the front and I'm here at the front, or you can stay where you are and someone will come alongside you and have a chat with you and pray with you. Um, Anna wants to say something. I just want to pray for you all, actually. That's what I was supposed to do. (laughs) Um, Can you, do you mind standing, please? Thanks. Um, if you, if you feel like this has really resonated with you or you are hungry or any of those things, why don't you put out your hands and just as a way of sort of saying, God, I want to receive whatever it is that you want to give me here today. I want to be changed. I'll pray. Father God, no matter how much we love you, no matter how much we are pursuing you, you are pursuing us so much more. Before the foundations of the world, you knew us. We were in your heart and your mind. You created us. You created us to know you and love you and have a relationship with you. And that is what you long for. You long for us, your children, to get to know you you long for our hearts to burn with love for you because that's how you feel about us and holy spirit just as you came at pentecost as a fire i pray that you would come as a fire right now and you would touch hearts right now that you would set flames alight that have not been set alight before Pentecost, you came as a rushing wind as well, it's described, and I pray that you would blow your wind right now on those flames, that those flames would grow in our hearts, that they would grow in a way that is contagious, in a way that's like a forest fire, in a way that where we go, wherever we go, we are setting light to things because your Holy Spirit is moving in and through us in such a powerful way. And we just... Lay down at your feet everything in our lives, everything. And we say we want, to, we want to pursue you. You are the one thing that matters the most. And we're so sorry when we have pursued other things, when other things have distracted us and we focused on them, when other things have taken our affection that should be yours. We want to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our might, with all of our stomachs, with every fiber of our being. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd come and fill us afresh today. Fill us afresh. Fill us afresh in a way that changes the world, in a way that changes the atmosphere, in the way that other lives are impacted because of Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit moving in and through us. Thank you that wherever we are, whatever position we're in, you are there. We are there because you've put us there and you want us to change things. We are your ambassadors. The ground we walk on, we represent to you. And I pray for each and every heart here that we would represent you well. We would represent you well in what we say, in what we do, in our actions, in our reactions, in what we focus on, in where our money is, in where our time is. I pray that you just do such a profound work in us that all we see is you and that we keep on being having surrendered hearts that just say yes. Yes, Lord. We don't want to live lives that are predictable and clear and we can see everything that's going to happen. We want to live wild lives that are sometimes difficult, maybe dangerous. We don't know what you're going to ask us to do. But that is just saying yes, we choose to be obedient to you. We choose to be obedient to you above anything else. All these things we ask in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.